Well, if you were to go to any gym or fitness center, when do you think people are the most highly motivated to go to the gym? Absolutely. And uh, we've all noticed that when people are highly motivated, they go after it with a different kind of energy, don't they? So uh, what I want to talk to you today is, is uh, something about motivation. And uh, if you look up here at the banners, uh, the next nine weeks, what we're going to be doing is this series called Give, Pray, Fast. Now, my son said, does that mean you want us to give and pray fast? <laughs> I said, no, no. And I'm going to explain that. But let's just say give, pray, fast together. Will you join me? Give, pray, fast. And that's what we're going to be spending time on. Now, where do we get this? If you're following along in the notes, here's where we get this. In Matthew 6, Jesus highlights these three practices for all his followers. In Matthew 6, and I'm going to invite you to open there in just a minute, Jesus highlights three practices for all his followers. They're not the only practices. They're not the only spiritual disciplines the Bible teaches. But he picks these three. Now, it's fascinating to me that he picks these three. So we know that they're not the only ones, but they're important. Second thing, if you're following along in the notes, is with each one, Jesus says when, not if. You do it. When, not if. You do it. If you look out to the right there, you can see Matthew 6, 2, 6, 3, 6, 5, 6, 7, 6, 16, 6, 17. All of these use the word when. When you give. When you pray. When you fast. The idea here is, is that this is something I want my followers to do. And so it's not if you do it, it's when you do it. And what does that look like when you do it? So now today, we're going to talk about, you may see the message title, it's called Highly Motivated Giving. Now just like people in a gym in January, can you imagine what our church would look like if we were highly motivated givers? Highly motivated givers. And I'm going to talk about what I mean by giving in just a second. But Jesus, in Matthew 6, talks about highly motivated giving. All of us have seen low-motivated giving. All of us have seen begrudging giving. And all of us have struggled with those things. But I want to talk to you today about highly motivated giving because this is one of the three that Jesus highlights. Now, I want you to notice something. In the United States, this is a challenge. We are the richest nation in the world. We are... Again, if you earn more than $35,000 a year, you are in the top 4% of the world. That means that the majority of us are in the top 4% of the world. But so where does, where does the giving kind of scoring look at? If you're following along, the reality is, is that U.S. Christians, this is Christians now, U.S. Christians give 2.4% to charitable concerns. And that's That's money. We already talked about it when I said about Reveal. In the United States, if we give money more readily than we give time, what does time look like? Now, all of us would say, whoa, 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 whoa. Jeff, are you criticizing the United States? No, I'm not. I'm simply saying is we have a challenge on our hands. What, what most research is showing is that the more we get, the less we give. It just tends to be a curve like that. And that's a kind of a mystery. How is it possible that the more we get, the more that we have experience, the less we give? Have you ever seen that in your own heart? 
there kind of begins this guarding, this protecting. And so again, notice this. This is like less than a quarter percent. I mean, just, I mean, less than 10, you know, a quarter of 10% that we give financially as well as our resources. Now, obviously there's exceptions to that, but what I want us to see is that this is not something that comes naturally to us. This is a practice all of us can grow in. And even if you give way more than 2.4%, what would it look like if you became even more highly motivated as a giver as you grow older in the faith? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. So here's this sentence for our series, okay? Here it is. When we give, pray, and fast, as Jesus teaches, it brings reward. When we give, pray, and fast, as Jesus teaches, it brings reward. Now I'm going to talk about that word reward a little bit later, and we're going to talk about it throughout this series. But what Jesus wants us to understand is that he, he knows the challenges we face with giving and praying and fasting, but he wants us to know that if we'll do it the way he teaches, it will bring a kind of rewarding richness in our lives that we won't regret. So I want to ask you to open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew 6. To Matthew 6. And if you're getting used to your Bibles, it's about three-fourths of the way back. And Matthew 6, if you're using a black Bible in the seat back in front of you, it's page 670. Eight. And I want to walk through these verses before we take communion. And I want to talk about when you and I give. You know, that's how Jesus starts. When you give. When you give. And in these passages, what I hope you'll see is that he gives three, three ideas that I've put into three giving questions that have helped me a lot. And then we talk about, again, how we practice this in our own lives. So, is everybody got Matthew 6? Let me pray, and then we'll look at it together. Now, Lord, I know that I need to grow in giving my life away to you each day. And I know I need to grow in becoming a giver. And so I pray that you would show us how we can understand highly motivated giving even better through this passage. For Jesus' sake, amen. Okay. So, if you are following along, let's look at verses 1 through 4. And when I come to verses 3 and 4, I'll ask you to read it out loud with me, okay? Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no... What's the word there, friends? You'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. In other words, there's a way to go about practicing the Christian life that will not bring about a reward. It won't, it won't pay off like you think it will. So verses 3 and 4, let's read it. It's in the notes there in the gray box. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, if you would, would you drop down to verses 19 and 20, Um, We'll read those in the gray box as well, but from the Living Bible. Would you read it with me? Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can erode away or may be stolen. Store them in heaven where they will never lose their value and are safe from thieves. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted 
to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and what, friends? Money. So Jesus talks about giving here. Did you notice this? When you give. When you give. How does that look? The first thing I want you to see if you're following along in the notes is that Jesus says it's important to ask yourself this question when you give. Who are you doing it for? Who are you doing it for? So uh, look at that if you're following along. That's number one. Who are you doing it for? He says it's possible, and all of us have done this, I have, is sometimes I will give something, especially if I know the person that finds out will be even more impressed with me. Anybody ever given like that? I'm, I, I guess I'm the only one. Okay. Some of you are nodding, so thanks for your bravery. But the point is, is that it's possible for, the, it, this is a motive check. He's saying, look, that's a low motivation just to give for people's praise. You can get 15 minutes of fame if you decide to go for that, but that's just a short-term payoff. Don't go for that. Be more highly motivated. Be motivated by your Father in heaven who cares about you, who sees everything you do. Be motivated by him. So if you give so that your father sees, it'll change your spirit. You'll be motivated in a more pure way. You'll be able to say, look, I'm not doing this so my father loves me. He already loves me. He gave me salvation. He gave me Christ. I'm doing it out of gratitude to my father, but I'm also making sure that it's my father that I'm the most interested in doing it for. How many of us, how many of us at times have wanted to quit when we were serving the Lord? And the Lord all of a sudden just said, who are you doing it for? And a motive check brought us back to, well, I'm doing it for you, Jesus. And he says, then, then you're okay. That's all that matters. I once heard of a woman that was a, a nurse in a very impoverished place in India, and she was picking up these bodies with gangrene and all this infectious stuff. And a guy went to visit that ministry, and he said to one of the nurses, he said, I wouldn't do what you're doing for a million dollars. And she said, neither would I. <laughs> she did it for Jesus. She did it for the Father in heaven. And when you and I do that, it's a higher motivation. I love how 2 Corinthians 8, we learned this seven or eight years ago as a church. They did not, they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. See, when you give your life to Jesus, when you give your heart to the Father, then everything you'll do will have a different motivation. It'll have a purity to it that's different. I'm not saying we don't ever struggle with mixed motives. I do. But I'm saying is when I make that my goal, like Jesus said, let your Father be concerned about what your father sees, not what other people see. Be concerned about your father's praise, not other people's clapping. I've had, I've had plenty of applause in my life, friends. I can just tell you, I'm not ungrateful for it, but it's never going to fill me up like my father's applause. And that's the kind of stuff that he says, live for the father's applause, live for an audience of one. Second, what are you giving to? What are you giving to? Now, notice, if you look in the first gray box there, Jesus says this, when you give to who? The needy, okay? So he's talking here about giving. So when you and I give, one of the things he says in chapter 5 of Matthew is that it's possible to give to those who love us. Anybody notice that? 
So I know a lot of people, they're incredibly generous to their kids. They're incredibly generous to their family members. They're incredibly generous to people that already like them. There's nothing wrong with that. I think we should be generous to our family. The Bible says if we don't take care of our family, we're worse than an unbeliever. But at some point, if all I do is give to people that love me back, is that the kind of giving that ultimately is going to make a difference in the world? What about those in need? What about what God's doing in the world? So I read a book called The Eternity Portfolio, and these kind of things might help you. You may want to write this in the back, okay? Is that when you and I give, there's, um, again, if you just divide it into a pie here, is that every one of us understand, and this is why it's important that you're part of a church that you feel like is doing what God wants to do in the world, is the Bible talks about giving a portion to the church, okay? Now, again, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about giving your life away. So, but if you share your resources, your time, your talent, and your treasure, part of that giving is part of the church. The Bible says where you are part of, be part of that, invest in that. The other thing is it talks about is the poor. Over and over again, the Bible says this, is that if we as a church stop caring for the poor, God's blessing will not be on our church. Have you thought about this? In other words, as you think about your own giving this last year, how much did you give in this area? Was there anything? Can you look back and say, man, God has given me a concern. Some of you invested time, money, and your talents in making a difference at places like Washington's Reap Mission, Contact Ministries, James, I mean, on and on we could go. The widows and orphans, those kind of, all that's in there, okay? But also, uh, another thing here is that another place to give is personal mission, okay? In other words, as you think about your own life, what do you have a special passion for in of making a difference in with any resources you might give? And the last one is this, spontaneous, Okay? So he talks about these four areas are ways to give. Now let me talk about personal mission a little bit more, okay? In personal mission, the Bible gives uh, an indication uh, that, i um, not doing very good here, um, that there's really three ways you could do this. First is evangelism. Do we as a church just care about ourselves or do we care about people that don't know Christ yet? Evangelism is taking good news to people that may not yet know about Christ and offering that as an opportunity, an invitation for them to come into a saving relationship, a life-changing relationship with Christ. But then there's also discipleship. That means that once a person becomes a Christian, do we care whether or not they keep growing as a Christian? So there are ways to invest. Some of you, you're especially involved in certain ministries that help disciple believers. I know some of you give to Ravi Zacharias or to some kind of mission organization that would help build up believers and not just reach out to unbelievers. But the last one is this, is mercy. And our church is huge on this. Our church cares about things. That's why we have ministries like the James Project that's just helping hands, some of these different ministries in town that say, how can we care? Washington Street Mission, Contact Ministries, St. John's Breadline, Salvation Army, mercy. How do we show mercy to people? So that just was really helpful. That second question is, 
what are you giving to? Every person can say, you know, I just kind of want to examine my giving. What, what am I passionate about? Some of us may be super passionate about mercy, and so you're going to find your personal mission is to take some of the resources, time, talent, treasure you have, and do all you can to lift up more mercy in the world. Some of you may say, you know, I, I was so tired of being a baby Christian for 30 years that now I want to give to ministries that will help build up believers. Some of you say, I grew up in a family that no one knew Christ and I am just so, I want so many people to know Jesus the way I've come to know him. So you may find ways to do that. Make sense? So beyond even our church walls, there's a number of ministries like that. So what are you giving to? Third question, where are you investing it? Where are you investing it? Now, where does this come from? This comes from verse 19 and 20. Jesus says, look, every time you think about giving, you got to decide whether you're going to invest it here or you're going to invest it there. Do not, he says, do not store up, do not invest in this world. Now, he's not being extreme. He's not saying don't have a savings plan. He's not saying don't make investments. But he's saying is your whole ambition, even for saving or for investments, is not only to make sure that you take care of your responsibilities, but that you also can make a difference in the kingdom so that those investments could actually be used for something bigger. Now, I love what A.W. Tozer says. Some of you have heard of him before. He says this, as base a thing as money often is, it yet can be transmuted into everlasting treasure. Whatever is given to Christ is immediately touched with immortality. In other words, this means that even a cup of cold water given in Jesus' name now becomes heavenly treasure. That means that when you and I serve someone, that that becomes something that is, is converted into heavenly treasure. It's just an amazing thing. Randy Alcorn wrote a book called The Treasure Principle, which I highly recommend. Listen to what he says. Where we choose to store our treasures depends largely on where we think our home is. Suppose your home is in France, and you're visiting America for three months, living in a hotel. You're told that you can't bring anything back to France on your flight home, but you can earn money and mail deposits to your bank in France. Would you fill your hotel room with expensive furniture and wall hangings? Of course not. You'd send your money where your home is. You would spend only what you needed on the temporary residence, sending your treasures ahead so they'd be waiting for you when you got home. Now, here's the truth. Jesus is saying you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. That means that you and I begin to look at everything we have, our time, our talent, and our treasure, and say, now I can use this to make my life here everything that I want it to be, everything that would impress other people in the world, or I can use my time here to look ahead to my real home. And Jesus says, if you got to make a decision, go with heaven. Put it there. God can transfer it on ahead. He translates even our littlest things that way. So let me just keep going and we'll make this some application. So how do you and I give with understanding? Okay. How do you and I give with understanding? What this passage says here, if you're following along, is that giving is all about my heart and where I put my trust. Giving is all about my heart 
and where I put my trust. <laughs> I, I just want to say, all of you guys, I'm so amazed at your spirit this morning. I just really appreciate it, especially some of you families. Just really glad you're here. And uh, so thank you for just hanging, uh, hanging in this morning. Um, notice what Jesus says in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your what will be? Your heart. Here's what Jesus is saying. Look, whatever you give to, I mean, this is true for any of us. If you give a whole bunch of time to a certain sport or a certain group or a certain hobby, have you noticed your heart follows? So he says, wherever your treasure is, he says, it's, it's going to be about your heart. Your heart will go where your treasure is. And it, if, you, if, if God gets a hold of your heart, then he can direct it any way he wants. But if God doesn't have your heart, then everything will be a battle. This is why that reveal study was so important for us. It reminded us that our goal as a church is to make sure that we really do let Jesus convince us to give our lives away now. Not on our deathbed, not later, but now. And what would that look like if every day I said, Lord, if you get a hold of my heart, then my wallet will follow, my schedule will follow, everything will follow, but it's about my heart. And therefore, I want you to have my heart. And I want to trust you and not myself or what the world tells me or somebody else. I want to trust you. And that's where the battle is, isn't it? That's why most of us are scared to give, isn't it? Because deep down, we're not sure if Jesus knows what he's talking about. Sometimes we go, you know, you just, I'm not, what if, if I give that, it's gone. And Jesus goes, no, it's not gone. It's not gone. What you need to know is that God's more involved in this giving process than you realize. So that leads to this next line is reward. Do you notice if you look at Matthew 6, he says, you will have no reward, but if you give to the needy, so that your father sees it in secret, then your father who sees in secret will what? Reward you. He says, if you decide not to store it up here on earth, but you decide to store it up in heaven, will you regret that later? No. And so I've met people, by the way, that they invested their, their energy into exercising in the gym in January, and they've told me many times, that was rewarding. That was good. I, I, I felt a, a lot of, I'm glad I did it. I've also met people that said I hated it every minute, okay? <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that Jesus says, I will reward you. Now, let me stop for a second. This bothers a lot of genuine Christians because they go, wait a second. The Christian life is a gift of grace. We don't do things for rewards. We do things because we're thankful. But Jesus says, I know that, and that's the, really the way to do it. But just know that God will not be outdone. And whenever you trust him with anything, he will reward you. Now, what's reward mean? I just put this part of definition. It means to repay, to enrich, to honor, and to bless. It means to repay, enrich, honor, and to bless. Let me just give you a few verses, okay? Look at Acts 20, verse 35 here on the screen. Let's read it together. We must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, 
It is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you mind turning to your neighbor and say, it is more blessed to give than to receive? Do you mind trying that? Go ahead. Now, I, I got to tell you, before I knew Jesus, I didn't believe that. I thought he had it backwards, and especially at Christmas time. <clears throat> but what I've learned is, is that Jesus knows what he's talking about. In the long run, when you become a giver, it's much more rewarding than if you live for self-gratification or only for receiving. But here's another verse. Look at Luke 6, 38. This is scandalous, what he says. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He's saying, look, make up your mind what you want to do in your life. Do you want to give yourself or do you want to just coast? Do you want to give, you know, a generous amount in your life or do you want to hold back? Because pretty much you determine how full your life gets, how rewarding your life is. So I'm calling you, give your life to me. Give your life away. Give your time, give your talent, give your treasure because you will not regret it. In fact, God will not only pour it back into your lap, but he will repay you. He will resupply you. Now, a lot of people say, does this mean that I'm going to get lots of money back? Let me just say something about this. The Bible doesn't say. The Bible says is that God can reward you any way he wants to. He can reward you with a sense of joy and peace. But here's the verse I really like, Genesis 15.1. I am your great reward. God will reward you. That's all he says. And people go, how? Will he give me like 10 times money back? Will he give me like a bigger house? Friends, that's not necessarily what the Bible's concerned about. He will reward you. How many of us have found that when we become givers, it's a rewarding life? It's so much more rewarding than when we live for ourselves. Amen? So he says, yeah, I'll reward you. You just need to know. I that should motivate you too. Don't be afraid of letting rewards motivate you. There's nothing wrong with wanting rewards. It's what kind of rewards do you want? If you want worldly rewards, if you want earthly rewards, you're going to be disappointed because you're going to maybe even get them all and they still won't satisfy you. But if the Lord rewards you, has anybody ever experienced that? Oh man, huge. So this last thing, Lord, I want to be a giver like you. Grow my heart. I want to be a giver like you, grow my heart. Let me show you this verse up here. Years ago, Leviticus 19. Look at this, if you would, on the screen. My dad pointed this out to me. I've never forgotten this. Let's, I'll read it. When you reap the harvest of your land, and most of us aren't farmers, but do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest, do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. In some of the other passages of the law, it says do not reap all the way. You know, leave corners in your field. So edges, corners. Here's the question my dad once heard a man ask in a sermon. How big's a corner? How big's an edge? You know, wouldn't it be great if he said, I want you to leave 12-inch edges? But have you noticed that God doesn't do that? 
God says, leave edges, leave corners for people besides yourself. And here's how big an edge is, friends. It's as big as my heart. And what God wants to do is he wants to grow my heart. The reason why he wants us to practice giving is not just because it's the right thing to do. It's the most rewarding way to live. If you try any other way to live, you'll never be as satisfied as when you become a giver. And years ago, a guy that mentored me, Pastor Jack Hayford, said that when he was growing in his Christian faith, he said to the Lord one day, Lord, I want to be a giver always. And the minute I heard him say that, I thought, that's my prayer too, Lord. I am such a stingy, greedy, fearful, hesitant person at times. I know that. But you can make me a giver. You can grow my heart so that my edges grow. So that I'm not as afraid. I'm not afraid to trust you. And it's almost the reason, why does he say, I will reward you? Your father will reward you? Because he knows the battle is about trust. And he's saying, you're afraid that if you give, you'll lose more than you gain. You're wrong. You're wrong. I want you to know, I'll take care of you. I'll repay you. I'll resupply you. I'll honor you. I'll bless you. It may not be with money, but I'll take care of your greatest needs. I will reward you. There'll be a richness in your relationship with me that you can't have if you try and hang on to everything. So over the years, friends, our church has been growing in this. And can I just say something as we start a new year? Cherry Hills, you blow me away. I go to banquets for things like FCA and some of the different ministries in our church, and I can't go to all of them. But when I see the different ministries in our church, I am blown away because when I go to them, you know the majority of the people that are at those banquets? You. This church has a heart for God's work in the world. This church has compassion and mercy for people. I'm not saying all of us do. I'm not saying we don't need to grow in it, but it's incredible to me. And I just want to say to you, wow, wow. And what I love is, is that this is something that you and I can all grow in. Even if we already are givers, what if we became even more highly motivated givers who said, I want my motivation to be about you, Father in heaven, who has given me salvation that I never deserved. I want my my motivation to be about storing up treasure where you are instead of down here on earth because it's fleeting, it's passing away. I want my motivation to be about people that need to know your mercy from people with flesh on. Show me how to be highly motivated. God, make me a giver. Now, here's a couple thoughts. I know a lady in this church who's on the older spectrum of our church. And she told me this week, she says, for the last few years, every time she wakes up in the morning, she'll say, Lord, who can I bless with you today? Now that's a cool attitude. And you wake up like that and you begin, that's a giver's attitude. Who can I bless today? Not who can bless me, but who can I bless today? If you started doing that, what could happen in your life? But I also want to tell you about something that happened a few weeks ago. Some of you know Roy Newman, the pastor from Fresh Visions Church that we've partnered with. Fresh Visions is eventually hoping to build a building 
And so they bought five acres of land out there on J.N.D. Jones Parkway. And we've actually done a racial reconciliation service here in 2008 or 2009. And again, just great guy. Roy, is, Roy says to me during lunch, he said, did you know that one of your teenagers gave a, a large gift to our church for our building? I said, no, tell me about it. I love the fact that there's so much going on I don't know about. He said, there was a girl in your church, and I won't say her name, but when it came time for her birthday, she decided that she wanted everything she got for her birthday to go to Fresh Visions Church. This is a girl in our church. I love this. And so she sent a letter. He gave me a photocopy of the letter, and basically it said, I have $233 that my girlfriends and my parents gave to me for my birthday, and I want you to have it so you can build your building and invite people to come to know Jesus. She gets it. Her heart is growing, and God will surely reward her heart. And I just get so excited about that. So how do we practice this? Okay, here's the last question. Live a rewarding life. Father, how can I practice giving at least once this week? Okay, again, you may not be ready to say each day, Lord, who can I bless today? You may just want to start with once this week, okay? But if you made it your goal, just once this week, Lord, show me. Is there someone, is there someone who's in need that I can give to? What would it look like? What would it look like? How can, I, how can I think about that? Now, let me say this. There's a man in this church that said to me, he's been without a job for quite a while, and he said, you know, one of the things that's hard for me is I can't give like I want to give. And I said, man, my heart goes out to you because this guy's got a generous spirit, but this hardship has put him in a tough time. But you know what? Here's what I've learned. If you and I ask, how can't I give? We'll never make much progress. But if we say, how can I give? Then we'll begin to look at what we have, what's in our hand. We may not be t- much treasure. Maybe it's a possession that we can loan. Maybe it's time or talent. But here's the thing. There's some elderly people in our church today that weren't able to make it to church. What if we were to check in on them and to give ourselves to them today and say, how can I help you? Some of you men and women in this church, you can fix things. And you've given that to people. And you've repaired their stuff. Or you've taken your car and said, how can I give my car to take somebody somewhere? Or how can I do something? But Father, show me, grow my heart. Grow my heart. The last thing I just want to do is read to you a note that I'll never forget. I read it a few years ago from a nine-year-old person in our church. Some of you know that this church building wouldn't be here if a whole bunch of people didn't say, God, show us how to give sacrificially so that other people besides us can know and grow in a relationship with you. So when we did that, when we just appealed to every person to say, look, just ask God what you should do. We're not going to pressure anybody. I got this note, and here's what it said at the top. You may share this if you wish, but I would like to stay on no. Thank you. Last night at the dinner table, I wanted very badly to know about the church and how much money we would need to raise for the new building fund. 
I asked lots of things, and when I was done, I said to my dad, I would like 10 or 15 minutes in my room. I sat at my desk thinking, wanting to give with all my heart. I knew most people gave 10%, but I wanted to give more. I wasn't trying to top anyone, they say in parentheses. So I sat down and prayed. I prayed about how very little I knew I could give. I said to God, you do know my tiny amount of money isn't going to help, but God said over and over, give. It will help even if it is a small amount. So as the offering plate passed by, I put in my small amount. Being nine years old, you aren't very rich. And as I set it down, God said to me, you helped all you could. So I was happy for the rest of the day. I knew I had done very little to help the church, but deep down, God kept saying, you helped much. In Christ, and then they signed this, private, P-R-I-V-E-T. And P.S., I knew I did the right thing. That's a rewarding life. Give, pray, fast. For your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. We're going to take communion. Before we do that, though, as the message I already talked about, it's really an issue of trust. We can walk out of here and go, that was a cool story. But in the next 24 hours, when you're tempted to hold back from giving, you're going to have to say, do I trust you, Lord, enough to do this? So we're going to sing a prayer of trusting now.